the perception veil. Floating on a current of intrigue and curiosity through the opaque halls of the unexplained, the dark corridors of the unknown, and the shadowy portals of the unlikely. This world has seen many atrocities. What man has devised to do to another human being, whether it's in the context of war or otherwise, is truly horrifying. The Nazi death camps of World War II were true life horror stories, with millions upon millions of men, women, and children exterminated by the Nazi regime and its collaborators. One of those death camps was in Sobibor, Poland, Estimates of people who entered that prison camp and never left alive are around 350,000 people. But it also had the most successful prisoner escape during the war. The 1987 made-for-TV movie Escape from Sobibor, starring the late Alan Arkin, chronicled that escape. Arkin portrayed Leon Feldhandler, one of the Jewish prisoners in the death camp and one of the masterminds behind the escape. As part of the film's production, many of the still-living survivors of Sobibor were on set from time to time to authenticate aspects of the production. Feldhandler had been a friend of Esther Robbs. Esther was one of the escapees, and she told Arkin the story of how she was able to flee to safety, thanks to a message delivered to her by her mother, who had died several months prior. It was one of the few times she ever discussed it after the war. October 14, 1943, Sobibor Extermination Camp near Wodowa, Poland. 600 Jews imprisoned in a camp where the near-daily ritual of Jewish people being led to the gas chamber cast a deadly pall. Instead of waiting around to accept their fate, meted out by the Nazis as part of Operation Reinhard, they were determined to fight and escape. A complex escape plan was devised in the weeks leading up to and carried out on this particular Thursday. Esther Robb was one of those imprisoned at Sobibor. Prior to the war, Esther lived with her husband in Chelm, in eastern Poland, near the border with Ukraine. Soon after the Germans invaded Poland, they took over and occupied Chelm. However, Russian soldiers pushed back the German army. The Germans regrouped and fought back the Russians. During the retreat back through Chelm, Russian soldiers warned the Jewish people they needed to flee. Esther's husband took the soldiers' advice and escaped to Russia. Esther asked her mother what she should do. I lived through World War I. It's not so bad, Esther's mother told her. They may put an officer to live with you for a while. They go out in the woods and fight each other, and then it's over, and they go away. So she and the rest of her family stayed. The Germans filled the void created by the Russian retreat and immediately began persecuting the Jews of Helm. Esther's father was made an example of. He was stripped and humiliated in front of his family and townspeople, and then placed before a firing squad 
and shot. Esther and the remainder of her family were forced into a ghetto. Soon after, the Nazis announced that all able-bodied people would be transported to an old schoolhouse. Skeptical of the Germans now, Esther pleaded with her mother to flee to another town to hide. She refused. So Esther and her brother, along with other family members and townspeople, fled. Soon after, her mother reported to a Gestapo office and asked to be shot. She was unwilling to carry on anymore under the circumstances. The Germans complied with her request. Esther's freedom did not last long. She, along with her brother, was rounded up by German soldiers and placed in a work camp. While there, whispers and rumors of the atrocities happening at Sobibor started to drift in. Her brother attempted to escape from the work camp. Esther woke up to gunshots and assumed her brother had been shot and killed. She now figured that she was all alone. It wasn't long before a train arrived to take her and other Jews rounded up in Eastern Europe to Sobibor. She was unloaded at the Sobibor extermination camp on December 20th, 1942. For the next 10 months, she spent her time sorting clothing confiscated from Jewish prisoners sent to the gas chambers. Leon Feldhandler, a cousin of Esther's and another man, hatched a plan of escape for the prisoners of Sobibor on October 14, 1943. It would turn out to be one of the war's most successful camp uprisings. The night before the escape, Esther had an incredibly vivid dream. In that dream, she was visited by her mother, who showed her three houses that Esther did not recognize. The first was a peasant's small thatched roof house. Esther didn't describe the second house in any detail, but the third house was a well-built farmhouse with a barn. No instructions were given, and the meaning of the three houses was not immediately evident to Esther when she awoke. She had a lot of work to do in preparation of the escape planned for the night of the 14th. When the plan was put into action, 11 German soldiers were covertly killed. Prisoners overpowered guards and took control of the camp's armory. Of the 600 people imprisoned at Sobibor, 300 were able to breach the entrance to the camp and escape the prison walls. However, it was not instant freedom. About 250 escapees were either shot or were killed by landmines placed outside of the camp. Esther was grazed in the temple by a bullet. She bled extensively from her wound, but she managed to escape into the woods. It was then that she remembered the dream that she had had the night before and realized that her mother had given her a road map for escape. The houses were landmarks, safe harbors in the torrent of chaos they now thrust themselves into. Esther felt like she was being guided with her were two friends who sensed that she had purpose in her movements. She did not mention the dream or the feeling of being guided by her dead mother to her two companions for fear they would think she was crazy or suffering from some sort of issue 
due to her head wound. The three of them ran for hours, putting many miles between them and Sobibor. They passed many houses and farms along the way until Esther recognized the first house from the dream the night before. It was the peasant's house with a thatched roof. This was confirmation to Esther that her mother was indeed sending her a message from beyond the grave. Her two companions were a little nervous about approaching, though. After inspecting the area around the house for a few minutes, she knocked on the door. It slowly opened, and an old man welcomed them in. Esther and her two companions told the man their story, hoping and praying he was not a Nazi sympathizer. He quickly ushered them into the kitchen and introduced them to his wife. The woman prepared them a meal and fed the three escapees. The man and woman had heard about the escape and told the trio they could spend the day there, resting and gathering strength for the next part of their journey. The man and his wife even did what they could to patch up Esther's wound. As day passed into night, the peasants slowly understood what they had done, and while happy to help, knew that if the Germans ever found out they housed escapees from Sobibor, they would be immediately shot. So they prepared the three some food to take with them, but insisted it was time for them to move on. Esther and the other two understood, and now with darkness providing some cover outside, they thanked their kind hosts and fled deeper into the woods. Energized by sleep and food from the day, they were able to run for many miles throughout the night. Just as dawn started to break, they arrived at the second house Esther had seen in her dream. They knocked on the door and were again received warmly by the owners. Exhausted from the hours of running, they were given a place to sleep and when they woke, food to eat. It was the safe haven that her mother had promised to Esther two nights prior. Once again, they spent the day there and when dusk began settling in and the light of the day faded, the three escapees were given food for their travels and left once darkness descended. Again, another night of running further and further from the camp, using the stars as a guide to what Esther knew would be the third house from her dream. But unknown to the three at the time, there was a surprise waiting for them at the third house. As dawn broke on the third day, Esther spotted the third house from her dream. It was the farmhouse with the barn. The house appeared to be deserted, but instead of rushing up to it, they inspected the area thoroughly for a few hours, looking for any movement inside the house. They didn't see anybody, but instead of breaking into the house, they figured the safer thing to do would be to hide out in the barn. They quietly opened the barn door closed it behind them, and then climbed into the hay-filled loft so they could rest and plan for the next phase in their escape. They flopped down in a sweet-smelling pillow of hay to rest. But as they did so, a figure rose up from the hay, looking ghostly as it uncovered itself. It was a man who had been dozing under the hay. Esther stared at the figure. No, it couldn't be, she thought. But yet, it was.
The man was her brother, whom she thought had been shot and killed shortly after their arrest. Unbelievably, Esther was reunited with her brother. The message from her mother in the dream had given Esther the path to safety and led her to the brother she had presumed to be dead. She ended the discussion of her escape at that point with Arkin. Esther Robb was one of the lucky ones, one of the few who was destined to survive her escape. Of the estimated 300 who escaped the walls of Sobibor, only 58 are known to have survived and fled to safety. Esther is one of only 10 women known to have survived the escape. She was reunited with her husband, Irving, after the war. Again, estimations suggest that as many as 350,000 people died at Sobibor, which would make it the fourth deadliest extermination camp just behind Auschwitz. In post-war 1946, Esther and a friend were walking around Berlin when they recognized Ernst Bauer, who was known as the Gasmeister of Sobibor. The pair reported him to the police. Bauer was arrested, and he was put on trial in 1962, found guilty of his atrocities during the war, and spent the remainder of his life in prison. Esther and her husband eventually immigrated to the United States. She lived the remainder of her life in New Jersey, until her death in 2015 at the age of 92. This is an original story, inspired by the one told by the late Alan Arkin in his book, Out of My Mind, which is available as an audiobook exclusively on Audible. There are lots of other cool stories in that short book that may also be of interest to you if you enjoyed this story. Hey. This is Steve White, the host of The Perception Mail. Thanks for listening to this episode, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed putting it together for you. Most of the stories that I will do here are ones that were submitted to me by people who actually had these experiences. If you have had a strange experience with the paranormal, or something happened to you or a loved one, that defies rational explanations, and you would like to share that experience with me, I'd love to hear about it. Maybe it will wind up in a future episode. You can tell me about your experience at theperceptionveil at gmail.com. Also, if you like what I'm doing here and would like to support the work, you can buy me a coffee. There's a link in the show notes. Thanks again. Your support is greatly appreciated. And... I will see you on the other side of the veil soon. <laughs>